Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And joining me today is Zach Logsdon, CEO of Old Hat, a strategic marketing company specializing in the sports and entertainment industries. Zach, super excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. So I want to get this party started in a unique way. What is the single best sporting event you have ever experienced? Oh my gosh. Uh, I, the uh, easy, it's easy. Uh, OU, Oklahoma, Nebraska, uh, year 2000. I was just out of college. It was Stoops second year. It was the year we ended up winning the national championship. We being the, the Sooners, uh, I was like, one, like I said, one year out of college, I had been through the worst era in the, in the history of Oklahoma football. We, we lost all through the, the, you know, the time I was uh, in school there and uh, we had number one Huskers coming to town. We were ranked number two at that point. Uh, Huskers go up 14, nothing. And then we rattle off 31 unanswered crowd rushes the field. I've never seen that happen at, at OU before. It was it was an atmosphere unlike any other. I'll remember everything about that day for the rest of my life. It was magical. That is absolutely amazing because I actually have a similar experience. So I went to school at Miami of Ohio University in Oxford, Ohio, and athletics aren't really a big thing there. However, <laughs> my freshman year in college, Wally Zerbiak was the star player on the team. And as you know, Wally Zerbiak ended up getting drafted in the NBA in the first round and had a long career. So I'm this budding freshman and in comes top 15 ranked Tennessee to take on the unranked Miami Red Hawks and Wally went bananas. I think he put up 30 something. <laughs> we ended up winning and rushing the court and getting on sports center. And it, oh, was, that's amazing. it was the only instance in my life, one in which I've been able to rush the court Two, this is before rushing the court was like, Oh my God, you beat Butler. <laughs> right. Butler. Yeah. Every like, other day, every other day you're rushing the court for something. Yeah. So it was like a real thing. And it was a memory that's always lived on for me because it was the pinnacle of my college athletic experience. Doesn't get any better than that, man. Amen to that. So what I want to talk about with you on today's show is you have a book, Winning is Not a Strategy. Yep. And I really like the name of this. And I was checking out your Twitter and there was one thing, if we win, fans will show up. Yep. Why is that not the case? Well, you know, it, it, as you'll see, as you see, I think for years it, it was the case uh, uh, or, or at least it helped. Um, but when I started working athletics, first time I heard that one of my colleagues at OU said, if we, if we'll just start winning games, attendance will take care of itself. And you hear that across the board yet attendance is down, uh, on a steady decline in all leagues on all levels. Uh, even for teams that are winning the sec has had is the conference that conference has the largest decline in attendance yet. They're the winningest conference, you know, it, so winning isn't winning, isn't doing it. And it's, you know, it, there are any number of reasons why, why that is. But just, the, the point is, you can't rely on that. And as marketers, we got no control over that anyway. So why would we even say that? Okay, so this is a very general statement. Winning is not a strategy because I would look at SEC football 
versus going to a baseball game because of the way, or we can even look at the NBA or NFL because of the way baseball may have marketed themselves, I believe, incorrectly to a younger demographic with the average baseball fan, I believe, being a white male at 58 years old. They have not done some things correctly. So I think on the larger level, I think we can look at this on a per-sport basis. But then I think if we look at on the number of options that fans have, and also on your Twitter, it says fans have more options at their disposal for their everyday needs than ever before. This abundance of choice, me, abundance of choice means purchases are being made on availability and convenience, and those are two things that going to a live sporting event do not traditionally offer you. That's exactly right. I mean, you 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 can't decide. You you go to the movies. You can decide which what time you're going to go to. You can decide any number of venues you're going to go to. Sports is happening at that time, uh, so it's the availability, the convenience, uh, and 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 the cost is is uh, as we talked about before is is out of this world. You know, the the cost of uh, attending a sporting event uh, is, is for the average fan. I, I mean, I love sports. I make my career in sports. I can't afford to go to games. I heard something ridiculous. I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast with Cousin Sal, and Cousin Sal went to the Cowboys-Rams game in L.A. last weekend, and parking was over $100. Oh, that's my gosh. See, but that's the thing. You, you, the OU-Oklahoma State game here uh, this past season, $150 a ticket. I got four kids, so to take my whole family, I, I got to pay 900 bucks to get into the gates. That's, that's after I've donated to be, be a member of the Sooner Club so I can uh, even have the benefit of buying tickets. Then you're paying you know, 50 bucks for parking if you want anywhere close. You got another 150 on food. It's just uh, the average fans being priced out of going to these events and we wonder why they're why they're not coming and even then is the fan experience so good where you're like no matter what this is well worth it because there's an opportunity all right hypothetically speaking OU is playing Tulane as opposed to playing Texas there's not going to be the same cachet so are you willing to spend even if we chop that in half five six hundred dollars to see a 56 to 10 blowout or conversely you can go to an NBA game like I live in Chicago right now this will be the second year in a row in which there's a good chance I'm going to go to zero Bulls games why because the Bulls were losing like 47 to 17 to the Golden State Warriors when they played recently and quite frankly I would only go to see the Warriors so seeing your team win isn't a guarantee it's not going to be this incredible experience and oh by the way I think there's some things that teams and stadiums are drastically missing and instead they're focusing on the polish. And I think the number one thing is Wi-Fi. The number of games that I go to in stadiums where I get zero cell service is like 85%. You're saying 85% you don't get, you don't get, I yeah, don't. Think, yeah service, service is terrible where, where you go and you're wanting to check other scores. Whereas if you stay home on your comfy couch where the beer is cheap and the air conditioning is flowing, uh, and, and you got this 60-inch TV screen, and you can have a better view of the game there, and you can flip to other games. I mean, the, the, the reasons to attend are, are getting fewer and fewer and fewer, as you pointed out. And, and then so, we, so tickets are ridiculous through the roof. The pricing is out of this world, and you have a better experience watching it at home. Right. And the convenience factor, there, 
everything about it. So let's talk then about what can be done to get people coming back to stadiums to attend games because, quite frankly, I feel a little bit jaded unless it's like, (laughs) for example, my friends and I go on a yearly SEC road trip where we go to one SEC football game a year. Last year we went to Baton Rouge. We've been to Alabama and Auburn and each of those. So for us it's an experience. But I think on some level, if you're looking outside of the NFL where there's only going to be eight home games, imagine being a baseball team, you got 81 games to sell. Right. Or you're an NBA or NHL team and you've got 41 games. So you're going to need someone more than just myself who goes somewhere for one experience. You're going to need um, a more regular fan. So what can be done to get fans to come back to stadiums? Well, I think it's, it's, it's a number of things. And, and, and one, the, the, what I preach is that we have to start tre- stop treating our product uh, as if it's a privilege to consume. For years and years and years, uh, athletics treated their product being you know, the, the game, the product on the field or the experience, as if you're lucky to, to come. And, and we were because our options for other entertainment were limited. When I was a kid, I was watching you know, the games that we were lucky enough to get on TV. I was watching on this tiny little 30 inch, terrible you know, screen, uh, or I had to listen to it on the radio. So going to the game was huge for me. Well, now, the, like, like we talked about, the experience isn't there. You have to, and, and so stop treating your product like, like it's, uh, like it's a privilege. You got to treat it like Ford treats their product, like Snickers treats their product. You got to treat it like a product and market it the same way. You have to research your community. There's, there's this idea that there's this one size fits all uh, solution to sports marketing. Well, um, you know, the Broncos did it. So the Packers should do it or, or, you know, the Cardinals did it. So the Yankees should do it. And that's, it's, it's different markets. It's different products. It's different. It, everything is unique. And we try to apply this one, this, this, this one size all fits all solution, but you got to figure out what's unique about your program. What's unique about your market. You've got to figure, you know, you've got to look at the census data, the historical sales data. You've got to do the research uh, and then create a strategy versus just saying, Hey, we got a game going on and show a video that has some you know highlights and expect people expect that to pull up their heartstrings enough that they want to show up. They, they don't. So speaking of the privilege, so at a lot of the overwhelming majority of stadiums, there is a lot of empty seats. So my background, among other things, is in digital advertising. So when you would go to a publisher website back in the day and you didn't sell all your ad inventory, what do you do? You go and get remnant ads. Away. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's Google AdWords or insert whatever ad exchange you want to go to. Why have we not seen some sort of model like that? And, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is because we talked about privilege and then we're going to have brand prestige. So what would it feel like if all of a sudden all you knew you had to do is wait until one minute before game time and then you can get $10 seats to get in there? So where is the intersection between, hey, can we throw our fans a bone knowing the price of this plus the experience plus the brand equity to mash that together to say, why couldn't we always have a packed house no matter what? There's this fear that, that you're, you're, you're diminishing the value of your product. You know, every industry, if you give it away, then people won't pay for it. Uh, at the same time, you got to have people there. Uh, it, 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 that improves the experience for everybody that is paying. And there's this fear that, 
well, if we give tickets away to this group for free, the people that paid will, will get mad. Well, how many times have you been sitting at a, at a game and you ask the guy next to you what he paid for his ticket? Never. Right. It doesn't happen. So it, it does I'm of the opinion and, and you know, I'm, I could be wrong, but my, I'm, my opinion is that you got to do everything you can do to fill those seats. And if that means giving away a thousand tickets to every game or, or whatever it is, then do that or discount them or whatever you need to do to get fans there because it, 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 it creates an atmosphere that makes people want to come back. And maybe some of those people are you're going to get jaded or they don't want to, they don't want to pay when they've gotten them for free for so long. But I, I, like you said, perfect example, a perfect comparison. If you haven't sold the ad space, it's, it's worse to go to a website and see blank ads. You don't want to see that. You've got to fill it with something to create a perceived value. So fill the stadium with people, regardless of what they paid for the ticket, and create that perceived value. All right. So you are now in charge of the Tampa Rays. And this year, they just announced they are tarping off their entire upper deck. And I believe now Tropicana Field will only have a maximum capacity of 25,000, which is relatively irrelevant when you get realistically less than 2,000 people to come into the games to begin with. So now we're like, all right, Zach, you're the man. You have to get attendance increased for the Tampa Bay Ray or the Tampa Rays this upcoming season. What's your thought process going to be for this? I do exactly what my coaches are doing. And that is I, I spend hours and hours and hours researching my opponents. That being whoever's defeating me for the fans time and attention. And then I create, and then after all that, once that research is done, I create a strategy for defeating those opponents. We, we, we work in this industry where marketers are not given the time or resources to, to do any of that. I, I, I did a poll. It's in, it's in my book, uh, pulled people nationwide and in, in all these different leagues. How much time do you spend doing research on your opponents. And they're like, uh, none. Or I think the, the maximum I heard was 160 hours. They estimated 160 hours per year that they spend doing research on their opponents. Uh, a major college football program, I did the math on it, 20,000 hours they spend doing research on themselves and on their opponents to win. And they still lose sometimes. We're expected to, to defeat our opponents for our fans' time when we do zero research, we just we throw crap at a wall and hope it sticks and hope it works without having any, any basis for knowledge. So what do I do if, if I'm the man in charge of the Rays? I, I don't know the answer because I haven't, I haven't gone through the process to figure out the answer. I, 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 I immerse myself in research. Do you think there's an element of this which is, you said the marketers don't get the resources and welcome to everything that I hear across the board with professional sports, every agency, every brand, it's like the marketing department is always run thin and with their head chopped off and there, there's a lack of resources. And then we wonder why are we not seeing the results that we want? Why is it that that seems to be commonplace for this when the level of excellence that I know that you and I both have comes with a different standard, but but whatever, what I'm seeing out in the marketplace says a different thing. It's just, I, I think, just the, the history of the way things gone. You, if you look at, you know, when, when tough times come, what's the first thing that gets cut? 
advertising and marketing. Uh, it's it's always seen as this thing that that isn't a necessity, but in it's the only thing that can reverse a trend like this. It's the only thing that can change the perception of a program. To the only thing that can drive people to start attending when they're not. Yet it's the first thing that gets cut. Whereas you get you 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 get a new coach, and they want no matter what they want, they want to spend five hundred million dollars on a new facility. They get it. Uh, where we're asking for. 50 grand to do a marketing initiative and like, Oh no, we didn't budget for that. And it's, it, it, it's, we have to change the way this industry operates because it's behind it's backwards. Uh, we, we do not, the athletics more than any industry I've ever witnessed does not value marketing. And it, no industry values it as much as, as I think they should, but athletics more so than anyone. And that is also more of a reason why marketing needs to be forward thinking. So if you're saying that we're not going to be given the resources that we need to succeed at the level that we want to, all right, now we need to be ahead of the curve and say, all right, are we doing video? What's our ad audio strategy? What are we doing for live streaming? Really drilling down on some of these things. But then guess what? A lot of the culture, once again, is risk averse. So not only do we not have the resources, now you're like, all right, if we're going to be better, we've got to be more forward thinking. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just a marketing department of two. I'm not sticking my neck on the line for no, that. You're exactly right. Nobody wants to be that guy that, 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 that did something stupid and screwed up. Uh, and, and because of that, we're not pushing the envelope. We're not, we're not forward thinking. Uh, I talk about that. There's a whole section of my book talking about crazy ideas. Every idea that we now see as commonplace, like podcasts, like phones, whatever it is, used to be insane. But, but we have to go out there with those new ideas, like the, the uh, fan-friendly pricing that you see now. When, uh, when Mercedes-Benz Stadium came out with that, everybody thought it was nuts. And everybody's like, ooh, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And it ends up they make, it mo make more money do doing fan-friendly pricing than they did before. And apparel sales goes way up. We have to get accustomed to crazy ideas. We have to try anything and everything. And we have to create a culture where that's welcomed versus uh, the culture we operate now and where everybody's afraid to speak up, like you said. Yeah, you want an engaged employee? Say, hey, guess what? This week, we're, it's Crazy Ideas Week where anything and everything can be brought to the table and we're going to find something to execute on. No, exactly. That's exactly right. Well, Zach, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, where can people connect with you and give a little plug for your book? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Logson. It's Z-A-C-L-O-G-S-D-O-N. The book, Winning is Not a Strategy, is available on Amazon. Uh, I also have a podcast, which is called Winning is Not a Strategy, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. ZachLogsden.com for more information on me. And uh, then finally, my company, Old Hat, is OldHatCreative.com. And as always, I would love to hear from you about this episode. Has your viewpoint of going to live games changed? If so, how? You can hit me up on Instagram at Rob underscore Cressy, on Twitter at Rob Cressy, or on LinkedIn. And one extra bonus, if you ever wanted to create a podcast but didn't know where to start, then I've got you covered. I just created an online video course called Launching Podcasts, which is a step-by-step -step course that'll take you from zero to easily publishing your podcast, including your first four episodes. That way you can grow your brand, build relationships, and get your voice heard. You can check it out at launchingpodcast.com. That's it. That's all, 